0: This is Layla Janty.
1: And I'm Marcus Ozzati.
0: And this is Passport Necessary, a podcast dedicated to being a TCK now that we're adults and what it was like as kids. And today I am personally very excited uh, because we are going to be interviewing a very good friend of mine, Faro Anara.
2: Hi everyone, really great to be here and thank you to both Marcus and Layla for having me.
0: Yeah so excited um so actually let's just get right into it um first question what are your nationalities
2: and where have you lived ah good to start from the beginning (laughs) so uh my father he's from thailand my mother she's from the netherlands so i guess one would say those are my nationalities thai and dutch um and i've lived in quite a few countries so born in thailand then moved to vietnam then Malaysia, then India, then France, which is where I met you, Leila. Mm-hmm.
3: Uh,
2: and then I moved to the United States for my university degrees, where we continued to visit each other. <laughs> um, and now I live in the Netherlands since the end of 2018. So I don't know, what is that, six, seven countries?
0: Uh-huh. I-, I wasn't counting while you were saying. <laughs> yeah, it's,
2: that's fine. That's no problem. I- I've gotten pretty tired of counting too. But I was going uh, yeah, that sounds like
0: correct six or seven um (laughs) i probably should have been counting while you were saying it yeah it's fine um so uh, like a fun starting question what do you Mm -hmm. miss most from each country like i don't know how much you remember about thailand because you were born there but Mm -hmm. do you have things that you miss
2: yeah for sure and i think that i've reflected on this way more now that i I uh, have my own life, right? So what are things that I personally really like, things that my parents don't necessarily need to tell me to do. Um, and I think I think, like most TCKs, I really love uh, a lot of food that I try abroad. Um, I miss also, this sounds really strange, but I miss a lot of supermarkets as well. It kind of makes sense with the company I work for now, but I really do love the the normalcy of just walking into a supermarket or a grocery store whatever the terminology is and just kind of looking at how different the products are how different things are marketed to people um so that's just like an every country thing that i miss but i certainly miss very specific things so thailand i do feel a very strong connection unfortunately i lost the language over time but like the food 100 percent for sure the like um yeah, it sounds weird, but like the loud nasaliness of the language and the just like <laughs> the like just like ah whatever kind of uh, attitude. I do miss that. Also bad sometimes because then people get super nosy. But still, I love how warm and open and and yeah, I don't know collectivist it is. Um, and yeah, I mean for France also food obviously, but I also just miss all the museums, of course, and walking for hours and hours and never being bored so i think every country there's something that i definitely miss and yeah of course i'm always really curious like will i experience it the same probably not of course but will mm. i still have that similar feeling uh like i did when i was living there mm-hmm. so yeah i think that's also an endless list but food is definitely always number one um and just the the observation of people
3: mm-hmm mm.
0: Have you noticed, because this is the first time you, that you're really living in the Netherlands for an extended period of time, have mm-hmm. you noticed
2: your accent shifting? Oh, yeah, <laughs> definitely. So uh, I I attended a lot of international or American schools, right? And of course, the international schools would be like rife with, with British and Canadian and American teachers and... And your friends would would, would kind of adopt that accent. Um, So, like, I have a pretty American accent, also because I studied there. My sister has what you would call, like, the European English accents. Don't even know how to describe it, to be honest. Um, And my mother, she has more of a British accent, because when Dutch people learn English, that's that's the kind of English that they learn. Um, But now, with an American partner, living in the Netherlands, and working for an international company... I actually hear it from my partner, where he's like, you know, you're like super American sounding when you talk to me, but when I hear you talk at work, you sound like you're a Dutch person speaking English, (laughs) despite English being your native language. (laughs) So like, I certainly like subconsciously um, do that. I don't do it to the extent where I like, am very Dutch sounding, like Dutch people, they can't say idea. They always say ID. So I always make fun of them for that. But I do notice that my accent definitely switches. Also, when, I'm ta- when I talk to my dad, he's got like a, a Thai accent and I absolutely, my grammar mm. even changes when I talk to him, which Layla has witnessed plenty of times. It's so funny. And it's kind of ridiculous, but it's just, it's subconscious in a way.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I suppose it's something that people do generally though, isn't it? They actually kind of change their accent to fit the situation that they're in a lot of the time. I, yeah. do, I do notice that with people. Yeah. I, it's it's an interesting thing i think Eng- even english people will do it that people you know if they, it's the kind of thing if you're going into a bank you're not going to use like some sort of broad accent yeah. people you're going to be a little bit more formal you're going yeah to be a little bit more like i'll just pronounce things a bit as more proper as possible yeah, yeah
2: absolutely and it's really the whole concept of identity right you have your own identity yeah. where you're like oh this is so me but then you're at work or then you're talking to specific friends from specific cultures and mm. you're on social media and you have your curated identity, your curated yes. self. Um, mm. So, I mean, I kind of like to, to take that as a scapegoat a little bit. Oh, but doesn't everyone change a little bit <laughs> yeah. how they act? I don't, I, think they do. I don't think to the
0: level that TCKs do, though
2: yeah no we code switch like crazy no yeah
0: (laughs) i was actually gonna ask you marcus when you moved from japan back to the uk did you notice your accent shifted
1: yes partly from living in the north but then i have started shifting it back again uh it did change a little bit. Some of the ways I pronounce certain vowel sounds became more northern. So I started saying ask instead of ask mm. uh, and bath instead of bath. It sounds very, <laughs> very, it sounds like a really minor thing, but it is genuinely a thing in the north. People do not pronounce words quite like that. But you do realize that in certain situations, if you, um, let me see, if you find yourself sort of dealing where you have with people when you have to be a bit more formal and you need to be a bit more in control of a situation the best thing to do southern accent straight in because <laughs> people go oh he's a person in authority I'll <laughs> listen to him and it genuinely does work I, like, one of my colleagues does this as well actually one of my bosses because she went to a, an English public school where mm-hmm. they all speak you know terribly terribly kind of that kind of thing maybe not oh, quite as bad goodness. as that <laughs> But the thing is, she says that as soon as she realises she has to go to like a business meeting or something like that, she'll say, "Oh yeah, I, I put on the accent then," because then I know that they're going to ta- start taking me seriously. It's a strange thing. That's oh, so man. interesting. Flipping around, Layla. Flip around, and people believe it. What?
2: That really, that just that exact um, example that you've had with her made me think of when Layla and and I we were in um, our IB theatre course. We mm-hmm. have this uh-huh. ID theater teacher who, like, just really hated talking on the phone. She hated it so much.
3: <laughs> oh my god, and, yeah.
2: And it's not like she switched accents or anything, but she absolutely created a, a tell i I'm on the phone persona to just deal with the fact <laughs> that she had to speak on the phone. Um,
0: I loved her so much and I remember the first time she did that we all looked at her like what are you doing? Who are
2: you? What's going <laughs> on?
0: Is this? And she was just like yeah this is how I get through being on the phone and we were like but what? But it's
2: effective. It works and like don't we don't we do that to some extent as well? Oh
0: absolutely. Yeah,
1: people do yeah. I think it's
0: I think... I think it's funny too for me living in Buffalo I've noticed that my uh Jay makes fun of me all the time for it. There's they do this thing where they add almost like a y sound to vowels so it'll be like nine i'll have nine please it's very like almost nasally and it's like a u sound it's very like wavy and Mm. once Mm -hmm. in a blue moon i'll say a word like that he's just like oh becoming buffalo are you and i'm like i'm not (laughs) i'm not i just i just incorporated a word
1: Well, that's The thing is, not it, when you, when, you've got, when you have sort of experiences of dealing with different people from different places, especially even in international schools, because you see so many different people, you mm-hmm. adapt really quickly to what other people can do. Mm-hmm. And I think especially if, you, if you're in a country where or in an environment where people haven't seen that so much, it confuses them how quickly you can adapt, I think, mm-hmm. sometimes. I think, why are you doing that? It just seems strange. It's like, well, because it, it makes sense in this situation, but then you probably just drop it later on because it's yeah. not necessary.
0: Exactly. That actually kind of leads me to my next question is, how is it now living in your mother country? You never really lived in your mother country before this. You have definitely visited. Like, same mm-hmm. for me. Like, I didn't live in France until I mm-hmm. was in late high school, but I went mm-hmm. to visit. But this is your first time, like, permanently living, well, for now, permanently living mm-hmm. in your mo- one of your mother countries. What is it like? And, like, yeah. all the code switching that happens
2: it's well let me just start with a general statement it is super weird um i think i successfully avoided i mean maybe this was a, a kind of a thing that i've been thinking about for a long time of you know when will there be a moment in my life where i have to see how dutch i am or i have to see how thai i am and i think you know perhaps growing up that was something playing on my on my at least subconscious thoughts um So when it came for university decisions, I mean, trust me, there were Dutch schools on the list, but I very much flocked to America instead, because I wasn't ready yet. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know why, to be honest. I think perhaps this this rejection of, like, needing to be one thing or another, which I faced quite a bit, you know, whether it was induced by someone else asking me a question or it was my own pressure. But it's interesting, one of the nice things is, I think it's the first time in my life where I haven't had to do a mountain of paperwork to prove that I'm allowed to be here. (laughs) How wonderful. Um, Although I will say that when I first moved and I had to, you have to register at the municipality that you're living in, um, they redirected me to the immigration office. (laughs) Oh God! Uh, because it says in my passport, well, it's a Dutch passport, first of all, so one would have thought that's a big enough clue that, you know, that doesn't need to happen. Um, but it says I'm born in Bangkok, Thailand. Obviously, that's true. But I, I think it's, it's, it was such a like, huh, situation for them that they just directed me to immigration. Immigration directed me back to the municipal office. And this like I, I was ping ponged back and forth. <laughs> Um, where my mother my mother actually had to come with me to an appointment to literally show the birth certificate. She even, I think she oh even brought a picture
0: gosh.
2: and was oh like, God. look, I am literally her mother. I am a Dutch citizen. Can you stop this tomfoolery? Like, she's good. <laughs> um,
0: I can literally picture your mom doing yeah, that too, which is amazing. Oh
2: <laughs> Honestly, I don't know what I would do without her, but it was a really interesting situation of, of, of kind of belonging somewhere already. Mm -hmm. Um, which I don't think I've ever experienced I've always had to you know go through the steps of okay how do I do this what's the paperwork and then what um and 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 now it's just okay yeah you're here sign your name here you live here now great um Mm. so that was very new it was a new feeling for me and uh, I am like constantly confronted with my level of Dutchness so for example uh at work, it's it's an international company, but it's also Dutch. Um, so I have a lot of international and Dutch colleagues, and they have maybe heard me pronounce Dutch words very properly. Like, I can pronounce things in Dutch like a native speaker. It's just my, my vocabulary is not the best, and my grammar absolutely needs a lot of work. Um, mm. But when I then have a, a one one-to-one meeting with someone who's maybe heard me before but hasn't met me yet, the first question I get is... And it's very much meant like, in a nice way, hey, do you, are you Dutch? Do, should I speak English or Dutch? Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> to which I don't really know what to say, because I really want to be comfortable and be like, oh, English, please. Um, but at the same time, I, I, I realize that now that I live in this country, I do need to make a bit more of an effort to, to improve my Dutch and whatnot. So... Yeah, it's kind of strange. I, I'm like constantly confronted with, with this part of my identity that I sometimes identify with, depending on the thing, but mostly I, I don't really. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So it just feels like another country I live in, to be honest, and it's just great because my, my family lives here, a mm-hmm. lot of them.
0: Yeah. A good portion of your, well, half of your the, family lives They, they there.
2: literally all live in the same village, so it's a very easy, very easy uh, group visit.
0: I have an amazing story about visiting Farah's family. All um, right. Oh, no. It was uh, the last time that I was going to be living in France. Like after yeah. that, I've, I've been back to France, but it was always for visits. So mm-hmm. um, I was in the middle of college. Uh, no, it was a freshman year.
2: Time is a construct, so I It don't is I Time
0: is a construct. Anyway, I went to visit Farah, and Farah was like, okay, well, my mom wants to go and visit my family in the Netherlands. Do you want to come with? Oh, I was yeah. like, yeah, totally, let's go. So we hop in the car. Her dog stands the entire car ride, which that in <laughs> itself was funny <laughs> oh, to me.
2: Rest in peace, Benson. I know, poor Benson, but he
0: couldn't – he wouldn't lay down. He was just standing was a, the whole time. He was a
2: nervous doggo. He did not like sitting in the car.
1: No,
0: it was so cute. So we – We spent a day in Amsterdam and I think it was the next day um, Mm. we spent the night with your grandparents. I mean, we spent every night with your grandparents, but Mm. that night we like hung out with the family Mm. and Farah had kind of warned me that her grandfather was a pastry chef. (laughs) And so he, Uh. he was used to baking and he likes feeding people. Mm. So I was like, okay, that sounds great. Like totally in my bag. I love to eat. Great. Um, They try to feed me so much. (laughs) I thought I was going to get sick, and at one point, I'm sitting there, and I, like, I finished my food, I'm sitting there, and I look very, not nauseous, but I was definitely, like, full, and I'm just trying to, like, not, I was just trying to breathe, essentially. You can see in her
2: face, (laughs) I am done. This is me, and I am done. I was over it, and then... (laughs) his her grandpa
0: looks at me and he's like oh are you still hungry i'll go get more food and they were joking but i thought he was serious so like i almost got up and i was like no 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 please please don't get me more food like begging them and everyone started laughing and i didn't get that it was joking so i was like desperate like no you don't understand like i'm so full please don't get me more food oh my gosh i love that memory so much because the food was really good but i really thought i was gonna die (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, I I really, when it comes to my, my Dutch family and having those nights where it's it's like literally the whole family sits around a, a table and, and you drink and or if you want, of course, and whatever mm. you want and you eat food all night and you talk. That mm. is a very Dutch thing to do. Like birthdays, you also do the same thing. Like family gatherings and like if you are part of that and if they like... Kind of make a little bit of fun of you and they keep feeding you then like you're very much welcome so yeah. i'm really glad that you that's a good memory for you <laughs> it definitely
0: makes you happy i think about that all the time and i was like i felt so welcome but i also thought i was gonna die <laughs> like such a weird balance of feelings mm-hmm. and emotions um but yeah it's i think i i think i had going back a little bit to what you were mm-hmm. saying i think i actually had a very similar feeling when i was applying to college um, because when I was applying to all my different programs, I was not applying to American schools. Mm-hmm. The school that I eventually went to was an American university, but I, a college, but I, I really kind of dragged my feet mm-hmm. and I'm not a hundred percent sure why still, mm-hmm. because I loved that school. I, I really enjoyed my college, but it took me a while to actually apply and, and like go through all the motions. um. Mm-hmm. I think one, because I, I wanted to go into acting and eventually I realized that's too much. I want to do other things in theater. Mm-hmm. But I think also part of it was maybe, yeah, like you were saying, the sense of like, I don't know how American I am and if I'm going to do well even though I definitely pass. I have the accent, I yeah. I mean, I, I know enough that I can kind of go under the radar and no one would notice that I'm not American, mm-hmm. or I am, but not like grown up here. here. Um, but there definitely was a lot of hesitancy. I really did not want to apply to American colleges.
2: You know, in reflecting on that, I think, I mean, especially if, if you're a TCK, right? And you're reaching a point where perhaps this is your, your first big decision. It's, it's also a, a crucial time. It's like a paradigm shift for you, right? So if I decide to go to my home country or passport country, for those of you listening, I did air courts, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, You know, does this mean that my, my, my nomadic, global nomadic lifestyle is over?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. That's an interesting problem because I mean, I don't know what it is, but I think it's funny because it, it is a thing that you, you wonder whether like, ha- is it the end of the journey? But I think, do you ever get that feeling of wanting to leave again? Mm. Like, just like, I've had enough of this country, I'm going to go somewhere else.
2: Yeah, definitely. There's like an, uh, <laughs> like an antsiness, I would say. Like, uh, mm. I mean, I, m- the frequency of our moves were every three to five years. Mm-hmm. Um so I'm feeling fine I'm feeling comfortable it's been just over 2 years but I can guarantee that starting year 3 like com- and completion of year 3 I will probably start feeling antsiness or or yeah. or I'll start thinking you know at work oh can I find a way to to be posted in in Thailand and reconnect with that country for 6 months or something mm-hmm. um but then again you have a lot of stories as well of of TCKs who who kind of repatriate right they they move back to america yeah. they move back to whatever country it might be and they're like okay cool that was a fun you know childhood but i i want to settle i want to i want to know you know my neighbors and i want to like know my life and and that's good with me so i think mm-hmm. it really depends on the person i think it also depends on their home life right how strongly True. was their culture not like enforced? i don't know if that's the right word at all but you know how how strong was it at home um mm. And yeah. how
0: much how much do they get a feeling of missing out? Because I yeah. think that's also a thing for certain TCKs is they want to repatriate because they feel like they've missed out on one of their passport countries or they mm-hmm. they feel like they they've lost touch with it. So repatriating it gives them a chance to reconnect and build a stronger tie with that part of themselves. I I am agreeing with Faro where I'm starting to get to that point where I'm like I feel <laughs> like I need to move again because <laughs> I've been yeah. I've been living in the same like place and house for sen- for 4 years which is oh. honestly the longest I've ever lived in one place since I was 5 years old. Right. So yeah. it's like it's really weird where it's like I don't know where I would go but I am starting to get that feeling of like I want to move. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I need to get out. <laughs> but I know I do. where I'd go. I have a partner. I have two cats. So it's not like we could go like very far, but I mean, we could, but there's a lot more logistics in that. But there, I definitely have that feeling a lot for sure. Um, and kind of attached to that question <laughs> is if you were to go somewhere next, where would you want to go?
2: yeah that's a great one
0: like A dream countries
2: dream countries my god no pressure <laughs> um well let me let me preface by saying that covid has well brought us many sad things but mm-hmm. it's also brought us a lot of time and uh-huh. and it has forced us to really think Um, you know, you don't have the distraction of, oh, I'm going to walk to the train station and be super distracted by people and then be super distracted by work stuff. And it's really the same four walls every day. And it's also made me think quite a bit on, you know, how do I see my life? What, what matters to me? I think everyone is, is and has been going through this. Um, and when I'm thinking about, you know, where do I want to go next? I... I am thinking about um how I really wish I had not lost my Thai language.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Obviously that wasn't really in my control. Um but I do have this almost it's like a weird like yearning to to complete my my connection by learning the language again. Cause I do feel like you were saying, I really feel like I'm missing out. Um so I think perhaps to Thailand. Um but I wouldn't want to go there for very long, like I think one year maximum, really be there, immerse myself, learn the language as best as I can again, you know, be with my dad, because he's, uh, he's retired and he lives there now. Um, and that's something that I would want for myself. Um, and I think generally it would be nice to be in Asia again, so probably like Singapore or something. But honestly, I'm really quite open to it. Would love to return to the U.S., given that things are not, you know, burning and people aren't running around um, <laughs> screaming. Uh, I'm quite nervous about that, but I don't know. I'm quite open to it. And, of course, I, I really love my time in the United States as well, so I really wouldn't mind returning there either.
0: Yeah, there's the thing that's so interesting with the U.S. is it's kind of like multiple countries, all in one country. Like if you're on the East Coast, that's one type of place. When you go to the south, it's very different versus like the East Coast like all of it has its very unique, almost completely different country feelings. That's why it's so Mm -hmm. it's so interesting for Americans. I remember one time uh talking to my cousins when I was going on the trip with you to the Netherlands to visit your uh, grandparents, I remember telling them I was like, Oh, we're gonna be driving, I think it was three hours (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it was three hours. I was like, we're driving for three hours and we'll be in the Netherlands. They were like, what? I'm like, Mm -hmm. yeah, we're just driving from Paris all the way to the Netherlands and it's three hours and we'll cross Belgium. She was like, you're going through two different countries. Like, you're basically going to three (laughs) countries in three hours. In the States, if you drive for three hours, a lot of the times you're in the same state.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, I heard that from my partner, too. I think he literally used the phrase, wow, that's wild. Like, <laughs> it, I mean, it kind of is, because, oh yeah, like, I mean, that's just wild. like going to visit you to, to New York City, it took, what, mm-hmm. four or five hours by bus? And no.
0: Yeah. New- no, Massachusetts. Oh, oh, yeah. No, I'm thinking of Buffalo to New York. Is oh, no, 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 no. Buffalo to New York is eight hours. No,
2: no, no. I did not mean that. Trust me, I remember that drive. Um, yeah, but if you're d- to do the same thing here, like, of course, you- we have, like, much bigger countries like Germany, for example. But, but still, like, it-, it-, it is kind of insane. And in that you can just, you know, pop on over. Well, you know, pre-COVID, post-COVID times. Mm-hmm. and just be in a different country hear, hear a different language see different food already it's like it is wild it
3: is
1: i think it's also interesting is that how certainly people in britain just who haven't been to the states just don't understand that it's different it's always interesting here yeah. people who have lived in the states or have been around people in the states just how different the states are from yeah. so many european st- countries oh particularly because in britain people have the problem with it being an english speaking the country They just go oh yeah they're exactly like us they speak english no <laughs> <laughs> you're in big trouble if you think that's what's happening oh yeah but no we just... are
0: very different
1: yeah in a good way though there are good things about it
0: yeah it's i mean just... even from a very basic level like one of the things i notice as i've been watching certain like tv shows that are english-based um is that there's like this sounds so stereotypical there is always tea there's always tea everyone is always drinking tea and in the (laughs) states that's just it's not that common people most likely are going to be drinking coffee i mean it might be like a latte or frappuccino or it could be like a mix of some kind but most likely people are drinking coffee or sodas and then when you
2: always to go
0: Always to go, always to go. That was always actually to go. that was actually something that really bugged my partner when he came with me to France. It was for like a short two week time. It drove him nuts that he couldn't get a cup of coffee to go because he has a, like he, he's very New Yorker where like you get your coffee, you walk around. And it's that thing of like, you're carrying the coffee and you sip it and you walk around and you look at things. Mm-hmm. And when he was visiting in France, it was like the only thing you can get in a coffee shop really is an espresso. Like when you order coffee, you're mm-hmm. getting an espresso. If That's you true. specifically want something a little bit more watered down, you'll get an Americano, but mm-hmm. they're not gonna give you a to-go cup for an Americano. You like It's a thing in France, you sit and you drink your coffee. And it was so beyond him to the point that we went to a Starbucks and he was like it's Starbucks I'll be able to get a coffee and we'll walk around with it it'll be great and he ordered a cup of coffee and it was an espresso again
3: <laughs> oh
0: poor guy and he was like oh, no. this is a nightmare <laughs> you
1: didn't you didn't You didn't make him drink cognac though did you
0: um oh jeez i think he actually tried cognac my dad offered mm. it to him he was like here you can have cognac and jay was like oh well i've had um brandy before and i've had like other like stronger liquors so i'll try Mm -hmm. it i think he like enjoyed it it was fine Mm -hmm. but it it is a very (laughs) you're making such a face marcus (laughs) it is a very like defined taste it's like absinthe it's one of those flavors that like when you taste it you know exactly what it is
3: yeah
2: (laughs) and how you feel about it
0: (laughs) and how you feel about it (laughs) um so kind of a different range of questions but um what i mean it kind of is falling into what we were talking about what's a tradition or quirk from a different culture that you definitely have that you know you do um like for example i know for me having lived in japan i don't very often point to myself when i'm pointing to myself or um i'll point at most americans when they point to themselves they'll point to their chest or -hmm. they'll they'll it's mostly within, like, the chest region. They'll be like, oh, me, and they'll point at themselves. Mm -hmm. In Japan, when you point to yourself, you are you actually, like, tap your nose. Mm. It's like a thing where you'll be like, oh, me, and you, like, gently, like... It's almost like a head bow, but then you also add the, like, nose touch. It's very Japanese. I don't always do it, but I do notice that sometimes I do, and that's very distinctly Japanese. So is there something similar to that that you kind of catch yourself doing that might not be um that's outside of one of your mother cultures
2: yeah that's a tricky one because i mean with my with my mother cultures or parent parent cultures like there's they're they're also so wildly different right so having the Mm -hmm. thai culture and the dutch culture like you're gonna get a pretty good range of stuff um so, I mean, maybe I'm cheating a little bit, but, like, we definitely have an Asian household, right? So, shoes off. Uh, I, I, like, it, it annoys me to no end when my when my partner, he walks with his shoes just so he can tie it, but, like, walks into the house a bit more. <laughs> it is such a, it's just such a thing. Um, I don't know if this is, like, everywhere in Southeast Asia, but I, it, like, irks me when people like have the bottoms of their feet facing me because um, mm-hmm. it's pretty disrespectful. Mm-hmm. Um, so like
0: they're barefoot and the bottom of their foot is like pointed like at you.
2: wearing shoes or not wearing shoes. It like oh, okay. Really, again, I don't know if that is a cultural thing, but it really gets me. Uh, I think it is. <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, but something that actually one of my colleagues commented on, is how uh, in my in work situations like dutch people they're like super all right let's get stuff done very to the points there's this whole like Mm. reputation of dutch people being like brutally honest and very direct and all that um and like I, i do like to get things done i like i do like to be concise and i do like to be like okay guys let's sift through all the the fluffy stuff and let's go However, I do notice that more in line with with collectivist cultures, uh, with more Asian cultures that I've lived in, I always ask if it's one-to-one, hey, Bob, you know, Bob's the classic example name, right? (laughs) Hey, Bob, Uh, thanks for making time. How is it with your son? Or how is it with, how is your vacation? So, like, I always inquire... And this may also come from America, I don't know, but I always inquire about, like, how is your family? And I kind of go for the, maybe a bit personal sometimes, but I always go for the, like, the family-oriented or the, the how are you doing first. Mm-hmm. And I try to keep it as short as possible, but I really am curious how they are doing. Sometimes mm-hmm. concerned if I, if I see they're tired or something. And then I, I kind of, like, wrap it up by saying how I'm doing, and then I move to business. So... Maybe that's a quirk, I don't know, but it's something that I've definitely, um, I've definitely taken with me a lot.
0: And Dutch people don't do that, you're saying?
2: Not really. I mean, not in work situations like that. So if it's like, a, like, mm. if it's like two friends or something, like, of course, they're going to do that. But it's, it's, very, it's seen a little bit as like, you know, this, why are you spending time on this? We need to get work done. And mm. it's not meant in a mean way, of course, but it's just, you know, direct and, and to the point.
3: Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: That's so interesting. Yeah. I I wouldn't even have thought of that as like something that is so different, but it is. Like if you spend too much time on the personal stuff, then we're not doing the work stuff. Yeah. That's, mm. that's fascinating. I I really like that. Yeah. Um one of
1: the things that's interesting about that though is because I definitely I have a German colleague. Mm-hmm. Um and we're working sort of like customer facing situations. Yeah. And people like English people are going, Oh, she's really rude and you're going, Well, how is she rude? like yeah. obviously Classic. you ask a question like you ask a question to somebody who's German or something like that they just give you the answer directly yeah. it's like you ask the question here's the answer and people go, exactly I, did, I, did, I didn't want to hear you say that it's like well why did you ask <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like you know like you asked me a question I gave you the answer and well, like, yeah so ask me a different rude. question then <laughs> yeah you know it's like but it's 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 a similar thing is like i had i sort of do that the same way i'm not sure why i think it might be more personality mm. trait than anything but mm. i i try to keep things under control and moving because it's a particular because i do body piercing so the environment you yeah. need to have it under control yeah and so you kind of establish who's how things should work yeah. and english people go you're being very direct and to the point it's like well yeah because <laughs> we need to sort of this needs to be under control from yeah. the start we can't Faff around too much at the beginning, mm-hmm. and then afterwards I'm okay, like joking around a bit. But the thing is, is that English people are very like. you asked the question. I asked the question. She said what she thought. I didn't want her to do that. I'm like, uh, there's <laughs> a, don't there's, a the there's a roundaboutness.
0: There's a roundaboutness with English culture.
2: There's there's mm. actually something that I think both of you can probably identify with, which is like uh, Japan as an example is a very high context culture, right? So if you're just talking mm. about something. Typically, you don't have to like, spell everything out, and the context is already mm-hmm. known, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. In countries like the US or the Netherlands or more Western countries, that is not the case. They're low-context co- low cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've found myself, and it's almost become a habit now, being more comfortable asking for elaboration. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me what you mean by that? Could you please elaborate? I don't understand. And I think before, I think maybe out of like, I don't know, shyness even, not sure, I, 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 didn't, I didn't want to ask that because I always, I always assumed that, okay, all the information they've given me is all I need to know. Um, mm-hmm. But now I'm in a different culture and now I'm like, I'm not exactly <laughs> sure what you mean by this. I don't want to start doing stuff. Can you tell me more?
1: I had a good, sorry, just another example of this. I had, I had a good one the other day mm-hmm. where somebody walked in because they, they, they had a booking and I looked at it and I was like, uh, they haven't put down what they want. So I said, <laughs> they walked through the door and I said, well, what piercings do you want? And they said, well, I didn't specify in the booking. And I'm like going, right. I know. That's why I'm asking. We don't need to go around about it. Can you just tell me what I need to know, please? And it just, it annoys me. I don't know why. It's just like, can't you just tell me like well
2: c- well cuz it messes with the your ability to prepare as well right
1: it does but uh, it also it, it's just one of those things i just i just like the directness i don't know mm-hmm. what it is it's just especially in those contexts cuz it, it is time it is energy and it is effort yeah uh, but isn't but people i can't remember, i don't remember who it was i was talking to recently about this but you know that kind of thing of looping around mm-hmm problems or ideas you just kind Mm -hmm. of like i'm not going to tell you quite what i think i'm not going to quite do this oh
2: what is it called Mm. it's uh paralysis by analysis
1: (laughs) kind of i know i remember who it was i was talking to but it was it was um but is it like what they call it beating around the bush Mm -hmm. yeah 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 that's that's it um or you know like they don't quite say what they mean Mm -hmm. it's it's an Mm -hmm. interesting thing i'm not sure why english people do it
0: I I definitely don't think, well, I mean, I think some Americans do it. I think it depends on, like, where they were raised, their type of family. But I think it might be more common in England because there's this not not wanting to make others uncomfortable uh, and not wanting to, like, put people off. But Mm -hmm. I think that especially within a business perspective, it is so much more helpful when people are very direct with what they need and what they Mm -hmm. want. And I have found that sometimes when I'm working, I have had bosses or I've had colleagues who are like, you're very explainative or you're very, you mm-hmm. really go into detail as to what you're looking for or what you need. I'm like, yeah, cause I want to know 100%. What do you need from me? And what do you, what can I provide for you? Because mm-hmm. if there is that lack of communication, that means that either I'm going to do it wrong or you'll do it wrong and then we'll waste time. So. Mm-hmm. For me, especially within a business context, even though I might use more words to explain, it's because I want to be 100% sure what do... Are we on the same page? Yeah. But I think that might be something that is very TCK related, where it's like... It might take us a while to get the like exact what we want, mm-hmm. but we are very... We try and be as clear as we can be when well, we're communicating.
2: We're also, it's also... I mean we're kind of used to that as well like constantly explaining ourselves and trying to explain ourselves so maybe sometimes i don't know if that's what you experience layla but maybe sometimes you realize oh i don't need to be explaining this much actually yeah but you're nope, just so that used ha- to it <laughs> <laughs> yep
0: that happens all the time jay uh, has told me that it's actually a problem when i story tell. He's like, you go on all these side tangents. No one needs to know the side tangents unless they ask for them. Don't get into the tangents. And I'm like, but but they might need to know. And he's like, unless they ask you, just tell the story. And I'm like, oh, you're right. Okay. But they add depth. <laughs> they give them some color. You need the color.
1: Yeah. <laughs> just give me the images. I just need images. That's all I need.
0: <laughs> Impressionistic storytelling. <laughs> Sounds kind of fun. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love that idea. <laughs> um, so, Farah, this might be a silly question because I think you've kind of made it clear. but um, No problem. Do you like traveling? And, <laughs> and if so, what's your favorite part about traveling? When I mean part, I mean, like, packing the, <laughs> the travel aspect, the getting there. Like, what's your favorite part?
2: Can I start with what I don't like? Is that too cynical? <laughs> yeah. Sure, you can do that. So I have been cursed uh, with motion sickness, Aww. so I... Yeah, right? What, a, what a, It sounds like a terrible joke. You know, a TCK <laughs> with motion sickness walks into the airplane. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, I hate it so much. So takeoff and landing, those are like rough moments for me, and those absolutely determine if I'm happy that day or not. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I've had some moments that have, have just ugh, ugh, terrible memories, uh, so takeoff and landing, my least favorite parts for sure. Um, I actually really like airports. I enjoy walking around them, I enjoy the people watching, granted I don't have to wait for hours on end of course, um, and I have this airport ritual where if I'm going to be on a flight and you know, of course you now know I have motion sickness so sometimes I don't feel like eating on the plane. You can guarantee that at every airport, there is some burger joint somewhere, right? So whether it's mm-hmm. McDonald's or Burger King or Wendy's or, I don't know, KFC also has burgers, I think. Um, they have chicken matter. burgers, yeah. Yeah, perfect. I, I That's perfect. So that's actually the kind of burger I get anyway. Um, I always eat a burger before a flight. I don't know why, but it is, it is an airport ritual for me. And I, that's one of my favorite parts of traveling as well, because it's the like... <laughs> the beginning of my mental preparation and going through duty-free and being like, oh my God, candy. Like, I do really love that. Uh, I really hate waking up super early in the morning if I need to go to the airport. It is awful. You feel like a shell of yourself. It is, ugh. And then at one point in time, exactly. And then at one point in time, you get a coffee and you're like, all right, I'm awake. Um, But before that, it's pretty rough. And then, of course, Mm -hmm. I think that first moment when... Not when you land, but when you walk out of the airport or when you're in a van or a car and you see the outside world of this new place. Um, I still remember having like these ridiculous beliefs about India. So when we were living in Malaysia, my mom was like, surprise, it's India. That's where we're moving. I was like, oh my God, elephants. I don't know why. (laughs) That was my first thought. There are, Of course there are elephants in India, but like, you know, my, my silly... Um, elementary school brain was only thought of that at first. And I still remember, I really do still remember uh, my mom's colleague picking her up. We had, we were, I think we were in like a, a Mahindra, which is like a, an Indian car, car brand. Um, and I just remembered the traffic and I just remember all of the colors and all the trucks being painted and all these beautiful colors and the noise was so different. Like, I'm used to noise in Asian cities, but this was different noise and different smells and different people and shouting and stuff, and that is still a really vivid memory for me, and I really enjoy that.
0: Were you upset that there weren't any elephants that you could I see? I I saw
2: an elephant eventually, but I also, <laughs> I also remember thinking in the car when I was, was like, you know, looking at all the, the different rickshaws and the trucks and, and people, and there were cows on the road. That's fine. Um <laughs> But I, I actually remember quite literally thinking, Oh, you idiot. There aren't <laughs> elephants everywhere. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Oh, my you god! you know, That's so I cute. learned a lot. I learned a lot. I, I was a very like a cute, innocent, naive child. And I constantly learned from, from what I like to still call kindergarten logic that I have. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I do really enjoy that. And I do really enjoy trying different foods and. I don't know, just kind of sitting still in a public area and not saying a word, but just watching life because I don't Mm -hmm. think people do that enough. I was going to say, I know the one thing that
0: anytime we talk, the one thing we always miss doing together is going to a coffee shop and hanging out. And that's it. Yeah, that's That's always what we talk about is like next time we see each other, we're going to go to a coffee shop and hang out. And It's like it's a thing like it's gotten to a point where like every time I look back on our conversations like, oh, yep, we talked about a coffee shop there. We talked about a coffee shop there. Our favorite coffee shop in Paris. Like we always talk about it. Because it's this this liminal space where you get to see people moving through their life. And then almost all coffee shops have windows to the outer world. So you get to see like what other people outside Mm -hmm. of that space are doing. It's it's kind of relaxing in a way. It's
2: super cozy. And there's actually a really great Dutch word that is not... You can't translate it. But the word is gezellig. um, And that means to kind of be in, in a situation where you're with people and it's really cozy and you're having fun um, mm. and it always makes me think of like you know a, a cafe uh, and string lights and you're having a, a conversation and you've got that nice background noise and that's gezellig.
3: Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I suppose the thing is that coffee shops are definitely yeah as you say relaxing places it's not it's not like bars or anything like that where it gets a little bit noisy it's just Mm. cafes tend to be just a place where people can kind of they seem a bit more civilized in a way i'm not sure why no i think that's i I think that's
2: that's very that tracks definitely lack of alcohol i think helps (laughs) i think it's a big part (laughs) Well, yeah, and yeah. then if someone drinks too much coffee, then they just, they're just jittery, but they stay in place, really.
0: Yeah, you're not going to have someone, like, go crazy and, like, try and fight someone. It's like they're just going to shake for a little while.
3: Yeah, pretty much.
0: <laughs> <laughs> just sit in one place and just shake violently. <laughs> um, so kind of, I'm going to guess, based on the answer you gave, that you do really genuinely like traveling.
2: I do. I just don't love the, the mode of transport, <laughs> the actual transport part um, itself. Uh, I mean, if only I could, well, obviously, if only I could teleport, I would much rather teleport if I could take a train and it didn't take 24 hours or more that I would do that as well. Um, but yeah, the plane is the fastest way. So mm-hmm. it's so, just not my favorite.
0: <laughs> yeah. So plane is fastest. But if there's like any mode of transportation you enjoy the most, it would be train
2: yeah i mean i really enjoy driving but i admit it was it's not very easy for me to drive long distances and trains i i do really like um because you can also walk around you can look outside the whole time and of course you can do that in a plane as well but it's it's like clouds and that's it until you're landing and then then you see stuff um
1: <laughs> but you have to be in your seat at that point
2: yeah yeah exactly <laughs> um so yeah i would say i really enjoy trains but I, I I don't know. The planes are just faster. So, of course, I, I, I kind of place efficiency over uh, prettiness. Right. <laughs> that's always something
0: that's bugged me about the States is we were one of the pioneers of trains. And we, like, really worked so hard on the rail. <laughs> and now, like, trains are considered like a... Unless you have to, most people are like... It's not their first thought when it comes to transportation. They always yeah. think plane. And it's like, I really wish we could go back to using trains more often. I love the train. I'm a huge fan mm. of trains. Especially in, like- New- in New York where you have, like, all the public transportation and the subways. Oh, mm. best mode of transportation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I had another question. Um, So this gets a little... This is a little bit harder. Um, But... <laughs> What (laughs)
2: increasing levels.
0: We're we're going to level four (laughs) now. Um what what is home for you? And I put home in quotes. Um Mm. what is home for you?
2: Yeah. Well, I now have a literal physical home that is my own. Not that like I own it. I'm still a millennial guys. Um (laughs) But that is my home right now. Uh growing up home was always I mean, the, the house that I, I would live in, wherever, what, whatever country it was, and, and being with my family. Um, also, my best friends. No matter when I met them throughout my life, they're also home to me. Because, yeah, I realized that as a TCK and also now being an adult and, and trying to make friends, and this is regardless of if you are a TCK, that's not very easy in the first place. Um, mm-hmm. I really value people that truly know me, that I don't have to explain myself uh, and hope that they understand. So I think, I mean, I, maybe this is the stereotypical TCK answer, but definitely home is people, first of all. Um, and then whatever I decided to be in that moment in time. So it could be that, yeah, people fade and that's okay, but then different people are my home now, or I have a literal home at the moment that I decorate the way I want to. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think for the first time, home is a bit more physical, but it's not really tied to, to a country. It's Mm -hmm. just my stuff, um, which I'm both really attached to, but also not too attached to at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. So people and possessions.
0: Interesting. That's awesome. Um, do you see being a TCK as a big part of your
2: personality? I definitely think I used to see it a lot more as a big part of my personality and this is in my university years, right? So I, I remember it wasn't even the first day of classes. Uh, I came slightly early, my mom and sister, they flew with me and I, I marched up to the international students office and I announced myself, said hello, I am here, what do I need to know? And uh, the person running that office at the time, uh, her name's Amy, uh, she asked me where I was from. She saw immediately my like discomfort slash, uh, I don't know how to tell you where I'm from, kind of the face, face journey I was doing. <laughs> um, and she went, oh, do you know what a third culture kid is? And it, it was literally not even my first day. And before then I, I already learned this, this term for the first time. Uh, and so I also kind of fell in love with it because finally there's uh, something that that can define what I've experienced and what I lived and, and how kind of I, I saw myself at the time, um, you know, and I organized a, a yearly conference at my university, uh, which I also attended quite, a, I think, mm-hmm. a few times. Um, mm-hmm. I presented at that. I was a coordinator for, for that group of students. I had conversations, I was a trusted confidant as well. When people arrived and they were like, oh my God, identity crisis, I was there for them. Um, so I definitely, it was very much a big part of my identity. Um, but then I started realizing as well, how sometimes the, the term is quite exclusive, right? So uh, people with uh, with refugee backgrounds or first-generation immigrants or yeah, any other situation which which would kind of produce the same feelings that TCKs go through, that term was still too exclusive for them. So while I am, of course, a TCK because I literally fit the definition, I I don't use the term quite as often anymore, simply because I don't want anyone to who doesn't exactly fit that definition to feel excluded. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I also noticed with my mother. So she left uh, her home country, the Netherlands, when she was 21. Mm -hmm. And those are also formative years in a way. So Mm -hmm. she spent her whole adult life, you know, her decisions, her growth, um, her real identity, she spent outside of her home country. Uh, But she doesn't fit the definition of TCK either. Because she Mm -hmm. spent her her, her real formative years um, in country. Uh, So, you know, Mm. instead of her just wanting to talk about the subject, she would say, yeah, but what am I then? Um, But still, Mm -hmm. it's like very valid what she went through and how she experiences things. And while her foundation is Dutch, uh, I I see her. She doesn't doesn't act like the typical Dutch person. She doesn't identify um, like the people around her. Mm -hmm. So Mm. it used to be a big part of my identity. And now I'm more... And it still is, but I, I don't really use the term quite as often. And I focus more on, like, what are the experiences and, and what feelings does that bring about? Because um, that's what people can connect with a bit more. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if someone's, like, really new to it, then I'll introduce them to the term because it's really easy to research stuff. Um, yeah, it's interesting. It's, it's been a weird, strange journey with, uh, with the TCK term and the TCK world.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I have one last question and then, it, Mark, I don't know if you have any others, but what advice do you have for a young person who's about to move to a new country? I mean, probably not right now with what's going on in the world, um, <laughs> but, um, you know, once this eventually goes away, yeah. what advice do you have for, for someone uh, really of any age who is mm-hmm. going to be moving to a new country?
2: Yeah, that's a good one so i mean i i trust you young people to do your paperwork and all those things so i won't advise you uh, on those topics (laughs) uh because your situation is your situation um but when it comes to and i'm just going to make the assumption that this is like your big first move this is your your life you're like oh my god I'm i'm an adult and things are happening the advice i would give is to Remember that while you have had a lot of influences from your parents, from different cultures growing up, um, now is really the time that you can decide who you are. Mm -hmm. So if you are used to, and this is something I'm going through at the moment, by the way, if you are used to adapting automatically to other people or other cultures or other environments, um, ask yourself... Am I doing that right now? And do I really need to? And am I being true to myself? Uh, Because that's something that I also realized. Um, While I, And this is also part of the advice. You should immerse yourself as much as you can uh, in in a new country. Uh, Of course, I mean, if you have people that are from the same country or culture as you, absolutely seek them out. But please don't only stick to them. Please try to immerse yourself in the new country. Understand the culture. Because uh, that will bring you a lot more than just, oh, my God, let me find my my Dutch friends who are also from the same place and shelter. Because um, mm. then then what's the point? Right. So immerse yourself. Um, decide who you are. Like, for example, I'm, I'm quite I would like to think I'm quite friendly. Uh, I'm quite welcoming. I talk a lot when I meet people. But at the same time, I am an introvert and I sometimes don't act that way. Uh, so what I'm trying to do now is be a little bit more, more fair to myself and more true to myself and really think, do I need to be acting this way or am I just doing it to adapt to others when I would prefer to do something else? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think that's my general advice. Don't be scared, be open and you know, it's, it's your, it's your move. It's your, it's your life. Um, and you be whoever you want to be, wherever you are. I think that's really good advice. Yeah. Thank you. I hope people take it because it's, it's taken a while for me to do it. <laughs> yeah,
0: I yeah. I definitely think that, and I think also for especially if you're moving and you're young, like mm-hmm. you're you're maybe a child or you're in early teens, I think it is good to build some sort of. Um, Something that you can fall back on when you feel very stressed. Like for me as a kid, that was reading. Like I Mm -hmm. always had something where it was like, I feel very overwhelmed. I'm going to go read a book. And it was like Mm -hmm. an automatic, I knew what I was going to gravitate to. Because I think that gives you a a safety net. Not Mm -hmm. something that you're going to hide, but something if you need to recharge your batteries or you need to, you know, take a step back, give yourself time to absorb all the information and then Mm. put yourself back out there I think it's important whether that's coloring um talking to your family cooking like um Mm. reading from one of your mother countries like like one of the things I try to do is make myself read some French once I don't lose it but also because I sometimes miss it I miss the language so giving yourself those little pockets of safety nets that are that mean a lot to you i think can have a lot of meaning
2: yeah and you can carry that with you no matter where you are as well
1: Mm -hmm. yeah i think certainly things like that certainly things also things like foods and all that sort of it does actually Mm -hmm. really make a big difference if you can just take them now and again and find ways of replicating them to an extent maybe even if they're not exactly the same yeah it makes a big difference to try and just reconnect with where you've been or how you grew up or what you were taught to an extent because yeah it's it's funny because it really is a big change that i think a lot of people generally speaking in wider populations will not know about because they don't mm-hmm. have to mm-hmm. and so you'll always be slightly isolated from that so it's a good idea to try and deliberately seek out and try and find definitely things that do remind you of where you've been
2: mm-hmm. oh my goodness i i remember walking into uh, an asian supermarket For the first time, in well, in the US, but like specifically here in the Netherlands, and I like lost my mind, like all the snacks, and I'm a snack person, so uh, mostly the snacks, and (laughs) um, I don't know. And like in like in Thailand, we also have this like um, all these different syrups that you can put on shaved ice, or you can add to milk, or you can do like a whole bunch of stuff with it, Um, and I hadn't thought of it for a long time and i saw it at the store and i was like oh my god i need to buy this i i didn't know what to, i got home with it and i looked at the i like put the bottle on the counter and i was like what the hell do i do with this now but it still made me really happy uh yeah. and i still have it and i still i do drink uh like i dilute it with water and i dilute it with different milks and i put jellies in it and stuff but, what
0: flavor is it
2: uh well my favorite flavor is Oh, what is it? It's like a, it's like a palm fruit. Okay. I forgot mm-hmm. the name for it. Um, but I also bought the green colored one from my partner, which is the cream soda flavor. Wow. Of course. Cool. We have an American in the household, so <laughs>
0: <laughs> we must. We must have cream soda. We must.
1: <laughs> you know, just Just what you just said. Just thought I brought a question up. Is um. Yeah. Do you ever find that there's something that you suddenly reminded of in a situation which you didn't think of before like just something like it stays dormant for a while and all of a sudden it's reactivated in a particular situation or environment like just something reminds you of something that you used to do and then you just go ahead and do it because it was because something has triggered a memory or a thought or something
2: yeah i i don't know if i can recall any other specifics besides the one i just thought of (laughs) but um I've definitely had it where someone will make a reference, and mm. like I, I, I haven't really like really really gotten to know the person, and they make a reference, and I'm like, "Wait, that's from that country I lived in, and I specifically <laughs> have memories about this, and then I kind of I, I seem a little bit too much because then I'm like, oh, yeah. how do you know this? Where can I find <laughs> it?" And and I try to bond with that person over it, but I come on a little bit too strong, of course, because I've just had this, like, memory unlocked. Um, no, but def- I have it a lot with references where, where then I'm like, oh, my God, how do you know this? And it becomes, like, an hour-long conversation. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, I actually... This is really, really strange. Really strange. But I had it recently uh, where the, the summers in the Netherlands have gotten a lot hotter.
3: Right. Yeah.
2: And... I always feel like kind of gross and, and sticky uh, mm-hmm. and the way my brain works is like, I feel gross and sticky, but this is a cool and dry country. Therefore I need to amend this somehow and take a shower or something. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I'm in Bangkok, which is very humid, I'm sweaty all the time there, but I don't really care. And I don't necessarily shower to get rid of it. It doesn't go with my schema of, of, of right. How the Netherlands should be in this case. Right. right. So I, I, like, I got home, my feet felt kind of gross because I had been walking around. And in my head, I was like, how did I used to deal with this, like this feeling? I don't want to take a full shower. And I just, I kind of had that like aha moment of, oh my God, I used to do this. And I walked into the shower and I just washed my feet. <laughs> <laughs> but you do that. You do that. Also, entering a mosque, you wash your feet. Like it's, it's like
3: (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. It's
2: so dumb. It's so weird. It's kind (laughs) of gross. I'm sorry, but like no, I love that. There's nothing that makes you feel way better than washing your feet with cold water after Mm -hmm. a disgustingly hot day, and you don't feel like completely showering. Oh but my... it's just
1: like a logical solution. It's just, I know. Yeah.
2: It's exactly. It's not even like, oh my goodness, wow, I've learned the secrets of, of these people. Like, no. <laughs> I used to do it. It's a logical solution. I was really, like, I think at one point I was just looking at my feet, like, what am I going to do with you guys? And <laughs> oh it came to me <laughs> ridiculous. But again, it's like, <laughs> it, it's just there suddenly. Oh, It my presents gosh. itself. <laughs> This is is why Layla is friends with me. I seem so put together. And then I share things like this. And she's like, oh, yeah. One of my absolute favorite
0: memories was Farah once came over to my house. And my mom had just bought flat peaches. Like the (laughs) ones that kind of look like little pancakes. And Farah just stared at them. I was like, Farah, are you okay? And she's like, what are these? I was like, they're a peach. I was like, I've never had one. Like, what are you talking about? She's like, I've never had a peach before. I was like, you better eat this peach right now. So so I like washed the flat peach for her and she ate it. She was like, they're really fuzzy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I distinctly remember that because I thought it was the cutest thing ever where you were like, you were so genuinely like surprised. I think you were also surprised by how juicy they are.
2: Well, I I don't know, I think my only reference to peaches, and that's such a ridiculous thing to already say, (laughs) is James and the Giant Peach! Like, I had never eaten one before! (laughs) I was used to, and you guys probably had this in Japan too, I was used to like, my my more tropical fruits, my mangoes, Mm. my my lychees, my rambutans, my guavas, oh my god I miss guavas, papayas, things like Mm. that.
0: Those are not but, that common in Japan, I'll be honest. Know, but Japan is far more likely to have a feeling. peach.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, but I literally was like, huh. And I've never seen one that shape before. I know what a cartoon peach looks like. Yeah. I know what the James and the Giant Peach peach looks like, but I've never seen one and like a ufo peach before she
0: genuinely she genuinely was like staring them down like they offended her she was just like what is this it was probably so funny
2: probably could have turned into a cat in that moment yeah yeah (laughs) yeah so you also have a kind of silly childish moments as a tck because yeah you're like huh i have never encountered this before how does one eat this how does one act like uh, you know around this topic i don't know what to do yeah Um, yeah yeah. and sometimes people are just waiting for you to do something and you can't just copy so (laughs) it's uh, (laughs)
0: kind of awkward sometimes yeah i think i think most tck's are so used to feeling awkward that it's just like "Eh, i guess this is normal
2: (laughs) yeah that's true
0: um So, yeah, thank you, Farah, so much for joining us today. This was really, really fun to be able to interview you and, you know, get to know more about you from a specifically TCK point of view. Mm -hmm. Um, If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to uh, leave them in the comment section. Leave us a review. Please do that. It would be very lovely. Um, You can also reach out to me. I'm on Twitter at Leila Gentil. That's L-E-Y-L-A-G-E-N-T-I-L um and that's kind of it for today yeah well, it was lovely talking to you and we'll see you
2: marcus soon
1: yes <laughs> you will
2: bye thank you guys
3: bye thank
1: you